Hello, everyone, and welcome to Endless Possibilities, a podcast where we explore the unexplored. And today we are going to look at the science of storytelling. Now, storytelling has always been such a big part of our lives. But for us to really get into the science of it, we have to start from the beginning. For over 27,000 years, since the first cave paintings were discovered, telling stories has been one of our most fundamental communication methods. It's so amazing. Like, I can just imagine Flintstone writing books and being like, I'm the professor now. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I can just imagine that. It's It's I can imagine it. I can see it right in front of me right now. But really, stories have been here longer than we care to admit. And they don't get as much recognition as they deserve nowadays. Right? Um, really, without books, we wouldn't be where we are now. We wouldn't have computers. We wouldn't have the TV. We wouldn't even have a phone. But People are too obsessed with their gaming, their phones, to even recognize that books got us here. And I find that so sad. And in fact, the oldest story that was ever written was written in 2700 BC. And it was called the Epic Gilgamesh. And it was an epic poem loosely based on the king of Sumerian Uruk, or modern day Iraq. The king was King Gilgamesh. And 2700 BC. Wow. That was so, so long ago. Like, stories, stories were there. People were telling stories so long ago, and they're basically gone now. Like, people have digital storybooks now. It's just sad. But, like, me personally, I like the feel of having paper in my hands and actually just reading the story. I don't like looking at the computer all day also. Maybe that's just because I'm a little old, but yeah. And right now you might be asking, why does why does reading a book have such a profound impact on our lives? Why doesn't it have the same effect as PowerPoint presentations do? Or games do or movies do well let's compare powerpoints to stories when we listen to powerpoints our only language processing parts of our brain only our language processing parts of our brain are activated i said our only only our language processing parts of our brain are activated and nothing else happens so basically all we're doing is decoding what the words mean and none of the information is going to your head. No creativity, no innovation. It's all just in at one ear and out the other. Kind of like what happens when I'm reading a text or not reading, doing a test or listening to a lecture. All the information goes through one ear, out the other. I don't know why. But when we're reading or listening to the stories, our brain changes dramatically. And as researchers in Spain found out, not only are the language processing parts of our brain activated, but any other area 
that we would use when experiencing the events of the story are two. So if there are sensory words, the sensory parts of our brain are activated, or when things are moving, the motor complex parts of our brain are activated. That's so fascinating. It's like we're actually there. It's like we're actually doing the things when really we're not, but our brain is so connected that the same parts that we would use when we're doing these things light up. And it's absolutely mind boggling. I didn't even know this happened when I was reading a story, but you can kind of feel it when you're reading a story. Like, have you ever read a book and you got so into it that you could actually feel the texture of certain objects? It's amazing. It's cool. I find that mind boggling. Anyway, another thing to note is that when we tell stories to others that have helped shape our thinking and our way of life, we can have the same effect on other people too. Like, I didn't know that. Like, I tell, like, really life-changing stories to my sister about me falling off a bike and then, and then getting hurt. And then at the end, she's like, oh no, I'll never do that. But like, I didn't realize how like stories that maybe that made you feel more cautious about things or told your brain not to do these things could do the same to other people. It's if I knew this, I would tell other people cautionary tales of like what I've heard or like what could happen or what has happened in my life all the time just to make sure things like this don't happen to them or maybe I would just tell them happier stories to make them feel happy or make them think a bit. I would do that all the time. That's just the person I am. But the next fact that I'm about to tell you is the most interesting. The brains of the person telling the story and the person listening to it can actually synchronize that's something we only thought could happen in sci-fi movies. Brains synchronizing. Brains lighting up in the exact same spots on an MRI. The listener and the storyteller synchronized. That's something that we only thought could happen in Frankenstein. It's so amazing. I never thought about this. Like, when you think about it, we just read stories. We read them, we enjoy them, but we never actually really care to think why this all happens. But now we know there's a whole, there's a whole thing behind it. There's a whole science. And poems. Poems are the, are the same as stories. They have metaphors, they have similes. And those also, these things, these metaphors, similes, they work so well for us. They make us feel certain things. But like, why does that happen? That actually happens because our brains are working all the time to find a similar experience to the story that we've had. And so, since metaphors give us this, they activate the part of the brain called the insula, which helps us relate to that same experience of pain or joy or disgust. So 
that's why we feel all these things, maybe towards a character, maybe towards a certain part of a book. We feel all these things just because of metaphors and all these different devices. Like, no wonder we cry so much when we hear like a sad story or a sad poem. Oh my God, like this is so revolutionary to me. Like I never thought this was ever a thing. And stories have actually had historically so much power on the human race that they can actually make people God or God-like. In fact, one woman wrote a story that claimed she was a god or someone who could communicate with the gods. And back then, people believed it. And she was treated, she was praised like a god would be. She made herself she into a god. She empowered herself. That's how much power this story had over her life. It literally changed her life in such a dramatic way so amazing like literally back then if people still believed everything they heard i would make up every single crazy myth i could about anything just to make myself look like the hero in every single story i said i would do that because i'm nosy and i'm obnoxious yeah that's who i am no that isn't i'm just joking around <laughs> yeah and another amazing thing is that when our surroundings make us feel warm or happy we perceive things in this way an example of this is volunteers would meet one of the experimenters believing that they would be starting the experiment shortly but actually the experiment started when the experimenter, who is seemingly struggling with an arm full of folders, asked the volunteer to briefly hold their coffee. As the key experimental manipulation, the coffee was either hot or iced. The volunteers then read a description of some individual, and those who had held the warmer cup tended to rate the individual as having a warmer personality. <laughs> barely any changes in ratings for the other attributes. That's so cool. So our surroundings can also change how we perceive certain characters or certain things. If we feel warmer, we'll feel more happy or we'll be less hostile. That's so cool. You might be wondering why we relate to stories so much. Why do they make us feel different emotions? We can actually relate to stories so much because of their cause and effect format. Our brains will actually make small short stories of our lives and everything we do. Oh my god, like if this happened to me, if I remembered all the short stories or all the dreams that I've had, I would be a millionaire. I would be as rich as JK Rowling because I have so many ridiculous stories to tell people or to tell the world. Personal stories and experiences actually make up 65% of our conversations that we have in our lives. I honestly think this is super crazy because I had no clue that people like to talk about themselves and others this much. 
Yeah. No clue. It's a guilty pleasure. It really is. Like, I talk so much. Like, when I'm having a conversation to you, I talk so much about, hey, I went to the orthodontist today. Guess what happened? Hey, I fell off my bike today. Guess what happened? I talk so much about that stuff, and it's a guilty pleasure because, like, nobody else in my house wants to hear whatever the heck I'm talking about. (laughs) And when we did this, when we researched about this topic, we researched about a lot of books and a lot of stories. And I came across this quote. And I think it's so mystical and it kind of shows what happens in our dreams, basically. And the quote is, even when the body goes to sleep, the mind stays up all night telling itself stories. And that's by Jonathan Gottskull from The Storytelling Animal, How Stories Make Us More Human. And this quote is so mystical and like, so it's, it's said so nicely, the mind stays up all night telling itself stories. I feel like that's written so nicely. I mean, I could just imagine like the brain just out with its flimsy line arms and just reading a book and being like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh my God, it's, it's just such a satisfactory quote for me. It's so satisfying. I don't know why, but it's, it explains what happens in our dreams. Our dreams are just stories that our brain makes up from the things that we've experienced earlier that day. And, oh my God, this quote is probably one of my favorite about stories. And you might be asking, again, you might be asking, why do we feel all these things? Why do all these emotions arise? Like, what happens? Well, actually, when we hear stories, we boost our levels of oxytocin, which is a feel-good hormone that brings out compassion or feelings of trust or et cetera. Actually, oxytocin isn't even the only chemical that's released when all of these feelings come out. But I feel like this is probably one of the best ones. So I just put that in there. And this is actually why we we seem to feel these certain emotions with the characters and are always happy when we're reading. Like I've, so for some characters in like, let's say Harry Potter, I had hated Snape so much in the first few books. And I felt kind of a weird desire to be responsible in front of Professor McGonagall. All these feelings just start to rise when certain characters came into view. But what I'm saying overall, what I've, what we've been saying overall throughout this whole thing is not really about the science. Like, we don't read stories for all of these sciencey things to start happening to us. We read stories because stories just make us feel part of something bigger. Like, we run to stories for different reasons to make us feel better about something, to run away from the things that have been happening in our lives, or to take a break from screaming toddlers. But overall, stories just make us feel like we're in a band. We're just part of something, and we're not nobody's sitting with a teacher at lunch because we have no friends. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.